We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Look at somebody beside you and say, I'm going to have a good Christmas. How about you? I'm going to have a good one. I'm going to make up my mind to have a good celebration of Jesus and what he brought to us. I want you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew, the 18th chapter, verse 16. We're going to anchor out of this today. Um, We're going to talk about steps to believing God. Last week, uh, week before last, I shared with you a message on believing, what it means to have biblical belief. And if you didn't, if you wasn't here, you didn't hear that, I want to encourage you to go back online and listen to that because it is uh, probably a word that needs to be carried through this next year. Uh, I shared with you briefly uh, about we, we westernize the gospel and it's tainted our theology a lot of times. And a lot of times by westernizing the gospel, we have taken th- we've taken fundamental truths and, and the, about the word and we have made them fit our culture, our language, and that is not what it's meant to be. Um, Jesus was countercultural. He did not blend. He didn't even fit in in Jewish culture. If you read what Jesus uh, was about, um, he was really a rebel. He he was. They crucified him for it. They killed him for it. Uh, some of the things that he taught, his interpretation of Scripture, uh, were they they were troubled. Why? Because he took them into a true understanding of what the Scripture was about. And one of those things is the word belief or believing. Um, it is interchangeable in the Greek language with the word faith uh, in the Greek. Uh, so you can you could use it either place. But in the Gospel of John alone, the word belief, believing, or is is used uh, depending on the translation you're reading. Some translations, it's 90 times. Others, it's over 100 times. The word belief is used. So if something is repeated in itself that many times through a text, we need to understand what it really means. And when Jesus says, uh, Jimbo, if you would only believe, you'd see the glory of God. That's something that we all, I, I don't know about you, but I want to see the glory of God. I want to see God's glory in my family. I want to see God's glory in our church. I want to see God's glory in our community. I want to see the glory of God. Well, if belief belief is the key to that, then I need to understand what belief is. And we broke that down in the sense of it is not, in the Western culture, it means hope or speculation. In other words, um, some of you have maybe got people coming over for Christmas dinner and you say, I believe we're going to eat around, you know, one o'clock. I believe. In other words, you're hoping, you're speculating that is going to be the time that you're going to get everybody together and get everybody settled down and you're going to actually have your meal. Um, but the word belief biblically is more solid than that. It means that I am convinced, that I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is going to happen, that it is personal to me. Um, in, in other words, I I also challenged you to personalize the scripture. What is the very anchor verse that most people love to use and quote, and a lot of times misquote, is John 3.16. But the key to that was that anyone who what believes in me should not perish but have everlasting life. What is he saying by that? He's saying that the fundamental truth of you knowing me is that you believe that I did this for you. So instead of saying, for God so loved the world, I challenge you to personalize it. For God so loved, and insert your name. 
God loved you. It's a personal thing. And when you believe it personally, that means your sins are washed away. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? That when you believe that Jesus didn't just die for the globe, he died for you, then it became a personal decision and you personally gave your heart to Jesus. Amen. And I think that that, that is an amazing step that, that we need to take in understanding uh, what God wants to do in this coming year. Um, Steps to believing God is what we're going to talk about today. God establishes his covenant or his promises by repeating them many times throughout the Bible and through through many authors and witnesses. He establishes a pattern. Matthew 18 verse 16 says, "But uh, but if he does not listen, this is talking about somebody you've got a dispute with. It says, take one of the uh, one or two along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So he's using this saying, look, when you're talking about something and you're bringing it before, you need to make sure that what you're saying is established. Now, this applies, this establishment of covenant and promises is made through us believing that those promises were made for us. So this morning, my challenge to us is that we would truly take hold of what God has for us in the rest of 2022, which isn't much left, and into 2022. I'm not just trusting or hoping or speculating God's going to save souls. I'm believing God is going to save souls. I'm not hoping and trusting and speculating that God is going to save people and and set people free and heal the sick and and, and, uh, see the gifts of the Spirit manifest among us. I am believing God is going to do that. And we have to have that fundamental thing established in us. So I'm wondering if today we might take the evidence of the Scripture and by two or three, amen, look at somebody and say, you're my two, okay? Uh, We make two, and then if there's another one, they make three. Let's establish this, that we want to believe God for what He's doing. Not speculate He's going to do it, but really believe God for His promises in 2022, the rest of it, and into 2023. Amen. Now, I'm going to share with you five steps to believing, five steps to really uh, assuring up your belief. And as I said, it's interchangeable with the word faith, but infallible steps of believing. In other words, uh, uh, having infallible faith, that means my faith uh, is going to bend, but it's not going to break, okay? Everybody's faith is tested. I don't care who you are in this room. Everybody's faith gets tested. And if if you're not somebody that your faith gets tested, then, then, you know, I, I think that maybe you need to examine because there are times when you pray prayers and you are like, man, I really know God can do this. And I hope, I hope. Well, God is wanting us to move beyond that hope into that belief of I'm believing that God is going to do the things he's promised. I'm believing God is going to set free the people I'm praying for. So one of those steps, step number one is meditation. And, and I, I believe this first step is, is, is excused by so many people as they, they walk in their walk with God. They think meditation is for, for, for you know, Middle Eastern religions or the Far East, and that's what they do. But do you realize meditation was not created by them? It was created by God. And, and, and it's very clear in the Scripture that one must meditate upon the Word of God. That means to ponder it, uh, especially speaking the Word in order to gain faith or believing in God, or belief in God. In other words, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Again, those words are interchangeable. Belief comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The more I meditate on His Word, the more I trust in His promises. Some of us need to get the negative you know, nannies out of our lives, the people who are constantly 
projecting that negative attitude into our lives and saying, well, you know, it may not turn out the way, uh, the way you think. And, and guess what? Uh, I've, I very seldom have God do things the way I think they need to be done, but he's always done things the way they should be done. Amen? And it may not always come out the way I want it, but it comes out the way it should be done. In the Hebrew language, the name, is, uh, the, the name for this, or the Hebrew word is, are you ready for this? Hagah. I look at somebody and say, Hagah. Okay, you know some Hebrew. Hagah means to murmur or, 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 to, or to contemplate, literally to, to concentrate. Uh, it means to speak yourself, to speak under your breath, or to whisper. Since this, uh, th- these words, there is also, there's a Hebrew word that also means the same thing of belief or faith, which is uh, uh, sikaya. Sikaya means to ponder. The Greek word is melito, which means to revolve in your mind, to dwell upon. To, to concentrate on. In other words, there's too many times we're dwelling on the wrong things. We're concentrating on the wrong things. Some of us spend a whole lot of time thinking how to fix a problem when we should be meditating on what the Word says about the problem. We should be hoping in what Jesus says. Instead, we're trying to figure it out ourselves. Our, your mind will mislead you. you look, our flesh will take us down the negative path. Our flesh will lead us down the wrong road. That's why he says meditate upon the Word. Meditation means to speak God's Word to yourself in order to believe in your heart. Some Christians call meditation confession, uh, a confession of the faith or belief in God. In other words, meditating on the Word is something that all of us need to do. Joshua 1 and 8, as I said, this did not originate with others. It originated with God. says this book of the law, speaking of the Scripture, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. Everybody look at somebody and say, you need to meditate on it day and night. He said, not just part of the time, not just during time of crisis. He says, you need to meditate upon the scripture. There's a whole lot of us. Have you ever, uh, you know, been on a Bible binge? You're like, I got to read the Bible more. So you just go to reading and you can't tell what you read. Anybody besides me, you know, you read, you know, you read a bunch of chapters, but you don't know if you, what you read. Okay, you know what? I found that God wants us to take sometimes just one verse of scripture and He wants us to meditate on it. And, and I know this is old school, but they still sell, sell these things called pens and they still sell these things called index cards. Maybe it would be good is that we would take a verse of scripture that really speaks to us. That you know, have you ever been reading the Bible and all of a sudden there's a particular verse or a promise of God that kind of becomes large letter in your mind? You know, it kind of jumps off the page. Do you? realize that's God speaking to you? And when that happens, maybe it'll be good to write that verse down, keep it in your pocket, and when you get time, pull it out and read it. That's meditating on it, thinking about it. And you know what? Do it all week long. I think a lot of times we're binging the Word when God says, why don't you take this one little piece that I'm speaking through and really meditate on it and find out what I'm, going, what I'm speaking through it, what I'm trying to tell you through it, what I'm trying to direct you to do it, uh, to do with it. And so again, meditation is a key to belief. And if you want your belief to be stronger, you've got to do like Joshua 1 and 8, and you've got to take the Scripture, and you've got to meditate on it day and night. Amen? Uh, So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have have good success. How many want to have good success in their life? 
How many want their way to be prosperous? Amen. Then I'm going to tell you the key to that is belief. And the key to belief is to what? Meditate on the Word. So we need to learn to meditate on the Scripture. That's step number one. Uh, and I'm going to give you one more verse. And this is actually quoting Deuteronomy. But Romans 10, verse 6 and 8, Paul writes this. But the, righteous of faith, uh, the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who shall ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above or who will ascend, descend to the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we, will, we preach. Paul is saying let the, quit looking at God as distant from you. Quit thinking that God is on the back side of the universe somewhere sitting on a throne in some unknown place and realize that God is right here in this place. He's right next to you. He's on your ride to work. He's on your way to school. He's on your way through the day. He's with you constantly. Recognize it, acknowledge it, and believe it. Amen. Amen. Start talking to God. I'd like for everybody to come up to me and say, you know what? I don't know about your church. Every time I go by somebody in their car, they're talking to an empty seat. They're crazy. I look at them and say, they ain't crazy. They're just talking to the Lord. And people freak out when you say you talk to the Lord like that. People freak out. You ever have anybody freak out? Do you ever get freaked out when somebody say, God spoke to me? Anybody does that freak you out a little bit? Come on. You know, why do we get so freaked out at that, but we're real quick to say the devil spoke to us? And everybody go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he spoke to me too. Why are we acknowledging his voice over the voice of the one who died for us? Why are we acknowledging? You know why we're acknowledging his voice? That voice of doubt, that voice that God's promises are not for you, that voice that says that God's not going to come through for you. You know why we're acknowledging over the voice of God? Because God doesn't scream, God whispers. But the enemy loves to shout. You ever found that out? He loves to shout over, and he likes to be over. He likes to like you to hear his voice louder than anybody else's because he feels like if he can be louder than that still small voice, you'll believe him. And a lot of times it works. So if you really want to hear God, learn to meditate. That's making yourself still and quiet before the Lord, that you might hear him, that your way may prosper. Amen. Believe for every area of your life works in the same way as faith for salvation. Uh, in other words, I have to believe God or have faith in order to be saved. It works in other ways too, by saying it with my mouth and believing in my heart. Amen. That's what Jesus instructed us to do. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and with the Lord Jesus and what believe in your heart that he was, has raised him from the dead God has raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth uh, mouth confesses confession it is made unto salvation in other words he didn't say have some preacher confess Jesus for you he didn't say have your mama confess Jesus for you or your brother or your nanny or whoever, he said, you have to confess with your mouth. You've got to believe in your heart. In other words, I really have trouble when people pray the sinner's prayer over somebody and then declare their salvation for them. 
That's troublesome to me. There's going to be a lot of surprises on Judgment Day because of that. We've got to be careful, church, because we can be leading masses to hell with a sense of false security. Instead of saying, look, you got to believe Jesus did it for you. you got to personalize John 3.16. For God so loved Phil that he gave his only begotten son that if Phil would believe in him, that he would not perish but have everlasting life. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth and you will be saved. Amen. Amen. Quit letting other people believe for you. Start believing for yourself. Amen. Step number two. Look at somebody say number two. Illumination. Illumination is where faith comes alive in the heart. Illumination from God's word produces a renewing of our mind. Romans 12 and 2 says some call this the revelation of, of knowledge. In other words, he says what? He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable in God, which is your reasonable. In other words, it just makes sense. That's what Paul's saying. He says it just makes sense that if God did this for you, that you would, you would give back to him everything said, what, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, what, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Who wants to be transformed? Who wants to be different? Than the way, who wants to be a, a different person in 2023 than they were in 2022? If you don't, then you don't understand that we are, in a, we are a work in progress. We are being made into the image of Jesus. Anybody see Jesus in the mirror this morning? Yeah. Nobody? Okay, I didn't either. Guess what? I'm being made into his image. And so I don't want to be conformed to this world, but I want to be transformed. Amen. And how does he say we do that? By the renewing of what? Our mind. The way we think, the way we approach God in 2023, the way we approach God through the rest of 2022, we must have illumination of God. Uh, in, in other words, uh, uh, photazo, that's a nice little Greek word, says to shine on, uh, to, to shine, a, shine a light on. In other words, illuminate means to shine a light on. All right? How many of you are like me? The older you get, your eyesight gets a little bit worse, and you can't see with them, you can't see without them. Okay, and then there are times I got to have a little brighter light. Okay, me and Jeff were putting a new uh, tip on the end of this mic this morning in my office, and we were both going trying to pin the tail on the donkey type thing. You know, it was it was not good. It was not good. We got it though. We got it. So what are you saying? We, we have to illuminate. We have to see. Literally, it means to shed rays of light upon, to give understanding to. Revelation versus illumination. Revelation is God's word the first time it is, has been revealed. Illumination is God's word the first time it has been revealed to you, the individual. In other words, the Bible is full of revelation. You read it, it's full of revelation. But then when it is revealed to you personally, that is illumination. And all of a sudden, I realize, hey, that's for me, that when I read the Scriptures, that by his stripes we are healed. And I realized, wait a minute, that promise is for me. That's illumination. Now, it doesn't change that it's truth. It's been truth all along. It's like you needing a job. If you need a job and you go by a guy's uh, uh, store and you see a sign that says help wanted and you go in the store and you look at that guy and you say, hey, I'm your guy. I can do this job and da-da-da. You convince him and he says, you know what? You're right. You can do the job. I'm going to hire you. Now that guy's become your boss. Amen? Now, let me tell you something about him. He was boss way before you ever became his employee. He was the boss. 
All right? He was boss over that business, but it took you what? Him hiring you for him to become your boss. Guess what? God is God whether you serve him or not. Whether people acknowledge it or not, God is on the throne. Whether they want to admit it or not, God is God. He is almighty. He is still in control of all things. You say, but this world is so out of control. Do you realize there's a plan behind the chaos? And if you understand Revelation, things get worse before Jesus comes. And this quest for normal that everybody is after, sometimes I wonder if we're praying against the hand of God and we're saying, God, don't do that, don't do that. See, everybody wants Jesus to come back. They just don't want him to come back in their lifetime. Until you get older. Until you look at your kids and you realize the kind of world they're growing up in. And then you begin to say, I don't know if it wouldn't be so bad if Jesus didn't just come get us. Amen? I don't know if it wouldn't be so bad if he didn't just go ahead and wrap it up. But you know why he doesn't? Because he wants none to perish. He's going to hold on just a little longer, hoping one more, one more. We need, we need that illumination this year, revelation and illumination. In other words, revelation is God's word to you the first time you hear it, or it's been revealed. The Bible was God's revelation to man. The illumination of God's word is when I apply it. Guess what? He was Savior way before I claimed him as my Savior. Amen. He was Savior way before. It took me coming to the cross and acknowledging it and confessing it with my mouth and believing that he did that for me for him to become my Savior. Amen? We don't teach universalism. Universalism is a false truth or false doctrine burnt out of hell that is contra contradicts the truth of God's Word. And universalism just simply says this, that on the, on the cross, everybody was saved. There they wanted to be or not, they were saved by the action of Christ. They don't take any confession on our part. It don't take anything. Oh, we all going to heaven. And, you know, and that's a great gig if you want to buy into it, but it doesn't measure up to the thousands and thousands of verses that contradict that and say that's not truth. That's a false, it's false it's a lie. In other words, it takes us, our action of accepting Jesus as our Savior. Amen? We've got to have that conscious act if we're going to go to heaven. So revelation may still come to, to believers today if, if God needs to inform the, the believer of something that they, they cannot convey. And illumination is our following through with it. In other words, the revelation may be the simple fact that you're struggling in an area of your life and God reveals to you why you're struggling. Well, guess what? you got to correct it. Then it's falling on you. You've had revelation. Now the illumination is i got to correct it. I, that applies to me. I've got to change my path if I'm going to make it to heaven. Illumination is the spiritual hearing of, uh, from God's Word that produces belief or faith. With, uh, in other words, with, with the heart, when the heart of man believes, Romans 10.10 10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Word of God, when believed by a person, produces washing or cleansing of the heart. This is in the same way he, is clean, he cleanses the whole church. In other words, the church is cleansed by, by the washing of the water of the Word. Ephesians 5.26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. How are we made more like Jesus? By the word of God. When we hear it and it washes us clean. Guess what? Though all my sins were forgiven the day I gave my heart to Jesus, he began a work of sanctification in me that will continue on. Anybody? Is there things in you? How many of you, there's things in your life that you come to a knowledge of and say, you know what? That isn't like Jesus. I need to get that right. Lord, forgive me. Help me to do better. Amen. 
Help me to do better with that. Step number three, the prayer of faith produces belief. The prayer of faith releases your power to receive a covenant promise from God by faith. You take spiritual possession of a promise before you take actual possession in the natural and the visible realm. In other words, Mark 11, 23 and 24 says, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not, and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes, there that word is again, that these, those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe and receive them, then you will, uh, that you will have them. In other words, the authority factor. Jesus is telling us to use authority, biblical authority, when it comes to believing his word or his promises in our life. In other words, when I speak the word of God into my life, that I say, Lord, I'm believing the mountain in my life, whatever it may be, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, whatever you fill in the blank, whatever mountain you've been facing, when you speak to it, it's got to move in the name of Jesus. I have to believe, even though I haven't yet possessed it, that God is going to do what I have asked because our God is a good, good father. Amen? The Bible says that Abraham believed the promise of God without ever seeing it, without ever taking possession of it. He believed, and his possession came through his heirs. Amen. Step number four, confession. Look at somebody and say, Confession. Amen. You don't have to come to me and say, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. I don't do that stuff. Because I can't forgive your sins. Only Jesus can. Amen. Amen. No man on this earth, I'll just clarify that right now. No man on this earth has the power to forgive your sins. Amen. Amen. I can forgive the wrongs you've done to me, or you can forgive the wrongs that have been done to you. But the forgiveness of sins only rests in the authority of Christ. That's it. Doesn't rest in the church. Uh, and, and you say, why are you preaching this? We know this. Well, do we really know it? Because I know a lot of people that are doing a lot of things that are contrary to the Word of God just because it's not being preached doesn't mean that it's okay. Just because the truth is not being presented by every congregation out there or to every congregation out there doesn't mean that's a seal of approval that we're okay to go out here and live like the world and act like the world and live contrary to the Word of God. I've got news for you, folks. There is a day of judgment coming, and we need to walk as closely as we can. I'm not talking about perfect people. There's not a perfect person in this room. But we should be in, per in pursuit of perfection. You say, "How? Are, what do you mean? That, that bothers me. It shouldn't bother you you because or how many is in pursuit of Jesus in this room? About six of us. Let's try that again. Who's pursuing Jesus in this room? That's a little better. I feel a little more comfortable with that. Well, is Jesus perfect? Then you are in pursuit of perfection. Then you are in pursuit of perfection. So we should be in pursuit of perfection even though we are imperfect. Amen? Because what? His, his strength is made perfect in my what? Oh, my goodness. Some of us know that verse. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. In the areas I fall short, that's where his strength steps in. Oh, my goodness. When I can't say no to a certain thing, his strength comes in and says, I don't need it. Amen? Amen. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. Amen? Confession is a powerful thing. 
Amen. Confession is speaking the word after you have believed it and, be, and, and before the answer has come or the promise has been manifested. It is referring to a confession of faith. Confession is where the battle is won or lost. Many Christians undo their prayer of faith by negative thinking and confession. In other words, you know, you pray and you're like, anybody ever, you know, you've been sick and you get prayed for and you're feeling better and then by the time you get to the car, you've talked yourself into being sick again. I have. Okay, I'll just pick on me. I have. In other words, Lord, I know you touched that, uh, I, know you, I know you touched that knee and then I feel a little twist and you're like, oh, well, maybe it didn't. Isn't it the devil's job to challenge the promises of God? Isn't it his job to cast doubt upon the promises of God? Isn't it, his, isn't it what he does? Then why do we cave into it? Start believing God. I am, I'll tell you what I'm praying for. I am praying that in this coming year in harvest, there is such an unbelievable belief in what God can do that we see mountains move and people are blown away. But I'm going to tell you, we should not be blown away. In other words, you've heard me share it many times at the gate, beautiful. If it had been me and Adam walking up to the lame man at the gate and, and I'd have said, you know, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he got up and started leaping and praising God. I'd have looked over at Adam and probably went, wow, it worked. <laughs> it worked, man, you know. Wow. Who else in this room would have been that way? Wow, it worked. But you don't see that in the text. You see such an understanding that God would do what they ask. You say, well, that was the apostles. Well, folks, if he was just the Jesus of the apostles and the Holy Spirit was just the Holy Spirit of Acts, then what in the world are we doing? Because he says, I change not. It's the same God. Amen. The same God that, that, that wrote on the tablets of stone in front of, in front of Moses is the same God that we serve today. The same God that spoke promises to Abraham is the same God you and I serve today. The same God that came through for Sarah. Oh, my goodness. Well, old lady gets pregnant. Now, some of y'all younger ones are going, yeah, she must have been in her 40s. That ain't old, and I promise you when you get there, you won't think it is. The promises of God. What does the Bible say about the promises of God? They are yes. All right, there we go. Somebody gave you the answer to that. The promises of God are yes and? Let's do that again. The promises of God are yes and? Why don't we start believing? And when we say amen at the end of our prayers, what we're saying is, you look out, devil. God's fixing to move in my life. God's fixing to move in my family. God's fixing to move in this situation. I've said amen. So be it. So be it. I'm believing my God's fixing to come through. 
I'm believing my God's fixing to move a mountain. My God's fixing to put a big crater where there used to be a mountain. Why? Because if he can make oceans into highways and we sing about it and we get all excited, but how many of us realize that he'll make an ocean in front of you into a highway? He'll part a sea if he needs to. He'll remove a mountain if he needs to. He'll move heaven and earth and hell to save your soul. He did everything so that you and I might have him and believe in him. Why do we think he won't do it now? I'm believing God for great things. Let us hold fast to our confession, the scripture declares. Hold fast in the Greek simply means to take hold and seize it. In other words, to capture it, to, to capture it and not let it go. How many of us are really going to take hold of some things of God this year and capture them and say, you know what? I know I might not be feeling better, but I know God has moved in my, my healing. I know that I might still be having symptoms, but I know God has come through for me. I know I've touched heaven and heaven has touched me and I may not see it, but it's coming. I may not feel it, but it's coming. That is not living in some fairy tale. That's believing in the one. We believe in a lot of stuff that's never going to happen. Some of y'all scratch tickets every week hoping it's going to happen. Whoops, he didn't go there. Yes, he did. And you believe it will or you wouldn't keep buying them. Come on. But yet I can read this scripture and I don't believe what God says. I'm just going to say this this morning. If you need healing in your body, believe God for it. I don't care if it's C, the C word that means cold or the C word that means cancer. Cancer is no challenge, no more of a challenge than a common cold for God. I think we think we got to get a lot more Jesus to get cancer out of the way. Slap them in the hand and really, let me get serious here because I got news for you. I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying it takes no more of the power of God to heal cancer than it does a common cold. It takes no more of the power of God to heal depression than it does a common cold. I'm not getting more Jesus juice so I can get you free. Where do we get that in our heads? One drop. Julia, one drop of the blood of Jesus was powerful enough to wash the sins of the world away. But yet, he spilled everything. Do you believe? Amen. Step number five, possession. Possession is when the promise has been manifested in my life, and you can see and touch it. There's a difference from spiritual possession that, that you took when you prayed the prayer of faith. This is when the promise arrives. This is when God finally comes through. Now, this is the one that troubles me. In 2020... We prayed a lot of prayers for a lot of people, and God did a lot of miracles. But it troubles my soul to see people get what they need and then turn their back on Him. 
they possess the promise of healing. Their loved one doesn't die from COVID. Their loved one walks out to hospital. But yet they turn their back on God and return to a life of sin and a life that is contrary to Jesus until the next crisis comes. And then they're going to need him again. Do you know what kind of God I serve? He'll come through for them again. Just because he blesses us does not mean he approves of us. Just because I'm blessed. Don't use blessing as a gauge of acceptance and approval. Because I don't know about you, but he's blessed me when I didn't deserve it. He's come through for me when I really didn't need. He should have just turned his back and walked away. But you know what? It doesn't speak of me. It speaks of him and his goodness and his glory and his graciousness. It speaks of the great God that you and I serve. In other words, he's come through for me. Even when, if you looked at the table, I would say, God, why would you? But there's a lot of people that think, yeah, he came through for me. That must mean I'm doing good. Children of Israel, 40 years, walked through the wilderness. Shoes didn't wear out. How many parents would love that miracle? Whew, gosh, Peyton goes through more shoes. Paige ain't as bad, but some of it's those gunboats he's growing. Good gracious. Clothes didn't wear out. Shoes didn't wear out. Ate manna every morning. Come on. Walked by the pillar of cloud by day to shade them from the heat. Of the, of the desert sun, walked under the pillar of fire by night and warmed by the very glory of God. And God was angry. And God was ready to disinherit them. Why? Because they did not believe him. And every time things didn't go exactly their way, they were ready to go back to a life of slavery and bondage. But God kept blessing and God kept doing miracles and God kept doing wonders. And that did not speak of their holy state. It spoke of the goodness of the God that loved them. But in the end, they all perished. Every one of that generation except for who? Joshua and Caleb and their households. Blessing will not speak well of me. It speaks well of him. Amen. So once we possess the promise, proclamation of what he has done is the next step. In other words, proclamation means I'm serving him. I served him before he did it, but now that he's done it, I want you to know I still serve him. I'm not turning my back on him. I'm, he, guess what? He is not some Santa Claus that we make our wish list out to, and we get what we want, and then we continue our lives as usual. He is God. Be careful how you interact with this God that we serve. Be careful. He is loving. He is kind. But He is still God. I, I, I want you to stand. I love to hear people's reactions of, you know, I, I listen to people sometimes. Oh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to. I've said it. Anybody else? When I get to heaven, I'm going to run down the streets of gold. When I get to heaven, I'm going to go up to Jesus and grab him in a big, big hug. I've heard that one. 
I think when we get to heaven, we're going to fall at his feet and be speechless. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to praise him. I don't know, Stephanie, if I'm going to have words. I don't know if we'll be able to articulate what we're witnessing and what we're seeing, what we're beholding. I think eventually we will. But when we see him, we will not see a baby in a manger. We will not see an image on a cross. We will not even see a king like we think we're going to see. Oh, we got this image of a king. Some of y'all got King of England with a, you know, Mel Gibson, or not, uh, whatever his name is, Jim Cadiesel's face on him, wearing a crown. And I love the artist's renditions, you know, of Jesus sitting on the throne. But one who he loved by the name of John writes about him in the book of Revelations. And when he saw him, Jimbo, and he heard him, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He heard a voice that sounded familiar, but different. <laughs> he said, and I turned to see who spoke to me, and it was one as like unto the Son of Man. In other words, similar, but not him. Didn't look, it, it, it was Jesus, but it was different. And he goes on to describe an image of the glorified Christ. And you know what his reaction to that was? It wasn't he didn't fall on his knees and cry holy, as the song says. And I like that song. He said, I fell to his feet as if I was dead. But I love it. He said, then I heard a voice say to me, fear not, it is I. I really think heaven's going to be like that for us until we hear him declare, you have nothing to fear. He's God. We need to believe so that we might see his glory. So this morning, this is just simply the challenge. And this is for those on stage as well because I think we need to do some business with God, all of us. What do you need God? What are you believing God for right now? I'm believing God for a good Christmas. I didn't ask you about that. What are you believing God for? What not great thing, what impossible thing? What situation that just seems impossible? Is it in your mind? Is it in your health? Is it in your family? Is it in your finances? I was talking to a friend yesterday. He talked about a pastor friend he knew, and they opened their mailbox up, and they got a check for $5 million from this guy. And I said, I want one of those. And I started laughing. So I build that, not for me. And then when I 
hung up the phone, I was laughing about our conversation because we were both joking back and forth. You know what the Lord said to me? Do you believe it? I could believe God gave us a good deal on some gravel. <laughs> so people aren't driving in a mud hole out there. Do I believe God can come through in a miraculous way to provide everything we need so that we can not take one dime from ministry? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to tell you, and I still refuse to take money from ministry in order to have a facility. We'll make it do. We'll make do. Because ministry is more important than a building. Buildings don't go to heaven. Souls do. This, buildings are going to burn up if I read the Bible right. Everything on earth is going to burn. Are you believing God for impossible things is what I'm getting at. Then I want you to come. I want you to find a place and say, God, I'm believing you. And start telling. If you've got unbelief, God, take out the unbelief in my life. But this must be a year that we truly believe God. So the altar's open. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.